Welcome to Stirring the Pot with Lucas Cecita. This is the first quarantine episode. Um, honestly, I just feel like all, all the content that's out right now is everybody just talking about uh, the virus and how everybody miss sports and everything. Um, we were blessed with still getting the NFL draft this past week. And I thought that, you know what, if there's any time to get the pod going again, it's now. So I called in my two buddies. You got D and Jared. Both have been on the pod before. Boys, how you doing? Good. Doing good. Well, yeah. good is good as a reach, but doing doing fine. Personally. Alive. Alive and You're alive. All right. That's good. That's good. Um, I'm sure both of you watched all of the draft and soaked it in. Yes. Yeah, just about all of it. I mean, how are you guys doing without having any sports right now? Is it are you just watching or playing two K every single day of your lives, or what's going on? What are you doing to kind of fill that that gap in your life? I I am playing more video games than I've ever played in my entire life, and um, <laughs> chief among them is definitely like my Madden franchise always gets a, a lot of attention. But we've been flying. I think we've played at least two full seasons since our uh, since this all started. <laughs> but we're almost we're in week seventeen of the third one right now. It's it's insane. It's a uh, it's mostly that. That's really it. Uh, I've, I've I've been drinking a lot more. I got nothing else to do. <laughs> <laughs> really, uh, really acquired a taste for. Uh, course light lately because it's cheap and i can get it easily so that's what my dad drinks so i get it i get it for sure um (laughs) well listen we could i'm sure both of you could talk about the draft for eight hours straight so i want to keep it somewhat not super brief because that's really what we're going to talk about but um we'll stick bold um there are a few other things i'd like to pick your guys's brain about um and then I think it'd be nice to end on just the stuff that we've been watching recently or games we've been playing, that sort of thing. Um, but, of course, let's start with the draft and let's start with uh, – let's just talk some NFC North. Um, yeah. We are all Midwest guys. Uh-huh. Uh, we got a couple Lions fans in here. We have a Bears fan. Yeah. Um, biggest takeaways, biggest winners, losers, what are your guys' thoughts? I'm going to let Jared go first here. I want okay. I want to hear his thoughts. Uh, the Bears had an underwhelming draft, as expected. Uh, you mortgaged so much to get Cleo Mack from Oakland. I mean, it was it was kind of gonna come at with kind uh, of coming at a price. Um, didn't pick until the second round. Um, not until pick forty three. I want yeah, it was like pick forty three. Um, so coming into the draft, Bears had a few holes they needed to kind of fill. Offensive line was a big one. Defensive back, you know, letting Ha Ha walk and cutting Prince and Mukamara. You had some, um, you had some holes needed to fill. And um, with the first pick in the second round, they draft Cole Komet, which was kind of a lukewarm pick in my opinion. Like it didn't really, uh, didn't really like ring any alarms with me. Uh, I'm a Notre Dame fan. So I watched his stuff. He's, Uh, he's pretty, he's pretty good. Like I, I, I understand what you're getting with him. He's a really big, versatile tight end. And I like his game. You could put him anywhere, uh, but it would kind of – it was a bit of a bit of a surprise thing as they just signed Jimmy Graham in the offseason, which 
I know if anyone watches football, you can understand that Jimmy Graham is pretty washed at this point. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, to, to draft that position again, it, it was a bit confusing, but at the same time, I understand it. But it was that was just a lukewarm pick. But then they picked him at 50, which they picked Jalen Johnson, the corner from Utah. And that pick, I loved. That one, they saved some face with that. And they really needed to with that second, second round pick, uh, or else I wasn't going to have a very uh, positive outlook on the rest of this draft because they had picked until the fifth round after yeah. that. You know? um, after did that, you have the Did you have the Coors Light ready just in case it went south? No, no, it was hard. <laughs> Don't worry. <laughs> I had to crack open the cabinet on that one. Oh, boy. <laughs> Spiral down a pretty dark hole there. <laughs> um, overall, those first two picks, I thought you got you got you got a couple guys that could have been first round talents just mm-hmm. given the draft year. I mean, the tight end one it was a pretty weak class, but you got kind of the consensus best one so i'm not too upset with that and they needed an effective tight end they, they've been trying to find production at a tight end since they got trey burton and he failed miserably in chicago um jalen i just i like him he's just a really good player after yeah. that were, were you expecting a quarterback or no okay no um i figured they were gonna ride out trubisky one year on his deal and they i I really think eventually Foles is going to be the starter. I think it's going to happen pretty soon. Yeah. I don't think Trubisky is going to get much much of a shot anyway. Um, you can just kind of tell the way Nagy talks about him. Obviously, his performance says a lot. It, it's only a matter of time. And there's a rumor that came out that said that they, they're probably not going to pick up his fifth-year option anyway. So it's only a matter of time. I think next year they're going to try to look for a quarterback. If mm-hmm. Pick sticks around, I think either way they will. Um, with the three fifth round selections they got, um, kind of like them. You just added depth. Uh, Travis Gibson is an interesting pick from Tulsa. He's a really athletic guy, good defensive end. Um, he was productive, smaller school guy, but you know, what can you do? That's what you're going to get. Um, but the one I liked the most was Kendall Vilder, the corner out of Georgia Southern. This dude is a really sick athlete. He's not the most polished corner. He came from Georgia Southern, but he's not the most polished corner, but he's just really athletic and he can really do some things uh, man-to-man-wise And because it bears like the blitz a lot. I mean, it's it, it plays to his strength a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, if you can kind of work on some things with him, I think he could be a nice uh, a nice piece down the road. So, And after that, um, all I know is that Darnell Mooney was really athletic. I didn't really know too much about him. Kind of dug up some of his stuff after. He's really athletic, really fast, uh, kind of like one of those high upside picks at receiver. And then the last two guys are just kind of a couple throwaway offensive guards that may or may not turn into something. So that's, I think if, I'm not into grades, really, because in drafts you can't really do it until a couple years down the road, in my opinion. But if I had to grade it, I'd probably just draft like a uh, like a hard B minus. Like, Maybe C plus. It was yeah. just meh. Uh, not that we are Bears fans, but D, do you have any thoughts on how Chicago drafted? I just when when he brought up uh, Jalen Johnson, I just gave two thumbs up because I think that guy's going to be really good. He's uh, he's just he's a really good corner. 
Um, I was I was a bit confused by the by the tight end move with the real Lions pick. move. That's what I I understand that feeling more said, than hey, almost I anyone. know that feeling. <laughs> Holy shit! But the Lions would have like traded up into the first round. And yeah, I was about to say that's totally waited. a first round Lions yeah. move there. So but at least it was in the second round. Yeah. So other than that, I I think he kind of hit the nail on the head. I think it's a solid draft. There's there's some good guys. There's some depth pieces. But, I mean, I don't think they really took any bad players. They took players that will contribute to their team in some way. And that's really what you're looking for in the draft when you don't have a lot of selections. Mm-hmm. All right, D, do you want to go ahead and take over talk some Lions? Yeah. So, um, obviously, for me, this is like my favorite time of year as a sports fan. I love the draft. I love learning about these guys. I love following. I love reading mock drafts. I just love – Learn like trying to figure out who can come in and contribute and just and most of the time, even though this is my favorite part of the the sports calendar, it's usually also the worst part of the sports calendar because the Lions are usually doing really dumb stuff. But they did not. They did really smart stuff with with the argument of one pick, and that just depends on how you feel about the the position. But I I couldn't be happier with how this draft turned out. I mean, they got the best corner in the draft, a guy who's going to be a really good corner for a long time. I think he uh, he had this great – at the Combine, you know, they get asked questions. He's doing the press conference. And someone told him that he was, uh, he was sloppy at times. And this is Jeff Okuda, by the way. Um, and he responds, he's like, sloppy in what way? And the and the, the reporter's like, oh, you know, with, like, penalties and things like that. And he says, in my career, I had zero uh, defensive holdings or pass interferences, so cut the tape again. I think you'll see something else. I just really like this guy. He's a player. Um, he's he's just really good technical player. He's a good athlete. He ran four four eight at six one. He's got good size for a corner, and I think he'll stick around for a long time. Are your lips burning right now talking this good about an Ohio State fan or player? They make good DBs. I don't know what to say. <laughs> like, I don't it's like, like all it. they do lately. It's like yeah. a DB factory as a way. It's, it's you hate to say it, but it, it it's just true. They're they're really good. And he, um, as someone who played that position, obviously I was bad at it. But I still know <laughs> – I still have an idea. I know exactly what not to do and who not to I know what to do. And like, in my brain, I know what to do. It doesn't mean my body could exactly do it. But he's really good at, like, some of the small technical things that, like, knocking down the ball with his offhand and just doing a lot of things like that. He's going to be really good for them for a long time. But then in the second round, they go and they get the best – run. What is who was considered to be the best all-around modern-day running back in the draft. And – that's the pick that kind of split fans, I think, because you, obviously running backs aren't really valued in the modern-day NFL. I mean, Todd Gurley, who signed a, a huge deal two years ago, got cut and plays for a different team now. But I think if you can get a guy like this who runs a 4-4, is a good receiver – He's he's good in the open field, and he also has a he has some sneaky power. I was watching him today, just because I got really excited and I wanted to just kind of see what my future might be. He's really good. Like he he's really similar build to Alvin Kamara. I'm not saying he's the same player, but he's that build. He's five eight with and weighs 
212. I think Alvin Kamara is 5'10", weighs 215. So we're looking at like the same stature player. And he's just, he's got great vision. He can see all the cuts. He makes the right play all the time. And even though running back might not be that valuable, I think getting a guy like that in the second round when you have a running back and carry on Johnson who can't stay healthy, is going to be huge for them. I, I like it a lot. Um, I don't know how, how Jared feels about running back and modern day value of running backs, but I personally love the pick. I think they're necessary, but I don't think they need to be bell cows anymore. Yes. Um, what Detroit's got – after this draft, I came away really impressed with Detroit. I thought they had an excellent draft. I think they addressed a lot of needs. I think what Detroit was last season and the season prior – because that's how long uh, – that's how long um, you guys have coached been there, right? Two years yeah. now? Yeah. I think I think yeah, yeah. those last two years under Patricia aren't indicative of what they're going to be going forward. I think really what it took is like Patricia's really trying to really trying to establish his culture, his way of doing things. And I think, uh, I think going forward, I think Detroit's going to be a tough team. I think they're going to actually be a pretty good franchise uh, under his regime. Um, Like it obviously is taking a little bit longer to kind of get that, that turnaround or that, that, that hope right away. Like I'm like Miami with Brian Flores, how, how it's actually kind of like making, it's making changes like right away, but I still think it's going to, I think Detroit's trending upward and this draft was a really good draft. Um, Patricia got his guy at corner. He got Darius Slay out of there who didn't want to be there. He got Trufant, who's a guy you can easily work with. The guy, like he's a consummate pro. You've never heard anything out of Trufant except good things about his play. Yeah. And then you pair him up with a young stud and you get the right guy across from him. It's just, it, it can't be anything but good. Oh, the DeAndre Swift pick. Love it. Him and carry on Johnson are probably going to be a problem in the next few years. He hopes if carry on Johnson can stay healthy. I I really hope so. I really Mm -hmm. hope so. And then they did some good things later in the draft too. Like I think picking up Aquara. Yes. Is a great, yeah, yes. you would know. Look, tell me, tell me about Julian Aquara and why I should be happy about this. He's a he's an athletic freak. Him and his brother play really, really well together. They play at Notre Dame together, and they were ultra productive. Um, you you're gonna love him. You're gonna love him. And it and on top of that, like uh, Detroit added Jamie Collins, right? Yep. All right. So your guys' linebackers are going to be athletic across the board, and then you got two guys that are going to play off each other like that, like him and his brother. I, and Patricia knows how to draw up defense. You guys are going to be fine. You guys, Detroit's going to be a good team. I think they're going to – they might contend for the NFC North, even with these young guys in play, because Okuda might be a guy that could be like a Pro Bowl-type player. For I think I, – I agree. He's like, like – like, just like Tredavious White came in, and those type of – like Marshawn Lattimore came in. I think he's that – I think he's even better than Marshawn Lattimore personally, but he is that type of guy where he comes in and makes that big of an impact immediately. And then they made some, like, sneaky – like, the rest of the draft was pretty solid. Like, they got Jonah Jackson, who's a good pass-blocking guard, and then they follow that up with Logan Stenberg, a good run-blocking guard. And the interior of the offensive line was kind of a question mark. With they the offensive line as a whole is probably my biggest question mark for this team after the draft. It's just there's a lot of moving pieces after this offseason. And they did a lot of good stuff with it though. Like you get a pass blocking guy and you get a run blocking guy and at least as long as at least one of them pans out, you've got them next to Frank Rag now, 
and you should be looking pretty good at guard. The tackles yep. you hope are good. Uh, I feel pretty good about what they did. And I, the last person I'll just talk a little bit about is um, Quintez Cephas. Yes. The, the receiver from Wisconsin. So he's, uh, he's not the typical receiver that you can like get excited. Cause he's not that fast. He's not that like, he's not a blazing speed guy, but he's going to be huge in the red zone. Like he's a guy who can go up and win contested catches He's a big physical dude. He's strong, and he's tough. I like the guy a lot. I uh, I couldn't be happier about getting a guy like him in the fifth round, honestly. The only pick I don't love from this draft is the second running back they drafted, Huntley from San Diego State. But the only reason I think he, he's going to be a factor in the return game and maybe a third down back, like he'll, he'll come in and catch some passes. So I guess whatever. Like that's fine, yeah. you know. I mean, obviously, we're pretty happy with how they drafted, but if there's any knock that you can kind of give is that um, there's a lot of speculation leading up to the draft that Detroit was going to trade back, mm-hmm. um, and they ended up not doing that. Um, I know you were super anxious about it because you wanted, like, some more picks, and that didn't end up happening. Um, how do you feel about that post-draft scene that they didn't really bite um, the bullet on that? Well, I mean, everybody knew who they were going to take and that yeah. they weren't trying to get a quarterback, so... That was you know. that was the like the main issue. That's why they had to stick at three because everybody knew who they wanted. Everybody had the idea that they nobody thought that the Lions were really gonna take Tua. Like it's, they tried to float it. Like some Detroit guys wrote about it, but nothing. Nobody the the Dolphins were never afraid that the Lions were gonna take Tua. That they like there was nothing forcing them to jump up and give up some of their capital. The only reason I wanted to trade back is because I thought this was such a deep draft. And if you can get more picks and still pick up a CUDA, you can do a lot of good things. But seeing what they did with the capital they have, I'm I'm okay with it. And finally, what's uh what's your final grade? I gave it an A minus. Gave it okay. an A minus. Um now let's have uh we, we talked we talked Chicago, we talked Detroit. Let's have some fun and just completely Shit on Shit the Packers. On the Packers. <laughs> what, what, what? I don't even know wow. where to begin. So you guys can go wherever you want with it because what the hell happened? Jared, what? I think I'm going to let you I'm gonna let you have some fun. Go, well, go with it. It was just funny to watch a franchise completely shit on the greatest quarterback that's ever come through their doors. Yeah. <laughs> they trade up and shit on him, too. Like, they eagerly they shit on him. They traded up. <laughs> like, they, they really – they're like – <laughs> they were like, hey, 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 Aaron. Uh, yeah. What do you want? Uh, I could use a wide receiver. Ha! <laughs> Fuck you. No. <laughs> like, just spit in his face directly. It was the most embarrassing thing I ever. I. They, hey. they hadn't drafted him a first round skill player since they drafted him in what 2005. What the? I I know. Okay, so. Any organization, you want to plan for the future, right? And you, a lot of times you can't really fault an organization for wanting to fill a key position down uh, for the long term. And getting a quarterback that has a really high upside like Jordan Love makes a lot of sense in that aspect. But you have still one of the best quarterbacks in the league who yes. took a bit of a step back last year, but I don't – think he's washed or he's done or anything like that they were in the nfc championship yes, like, yes. You, you were one game away from the super <laughs> oh, bowl God. one and 
all he needed is probably another guy to take pressure off Devontae Adams. T. Higgins. T. Higgins was there. That's the perfect guy. There were so many wide receivers there. They didn't take a single wide receiver in the entire draft. Yeah, that was the mind-boggling part. They didn't take one. Not a single guy. Not even a late-round guy. They didn't take one. You could have reached for Antonio Gandy-Golden or somebody like that and just maybe forced Aaron Rodgers to smile a little bit. You know, like maybe you draft a guy and go, okay, I understand why you got him, but at least you got me some players that I can finish out my contract on a high note and, you know, make you want to play here. Exactly. But they didn't do anything (laughs) to help the guy out. And they dropped another running back. They drafted another running back in the second round. Like, what are you doing? And he wasn't even one of the – like, I don't get it. He's fine. He's Mm -hmm. good. He was – I don't get it. I don't know. He's like a slower Leonard Fournette. That's what A.J. Dillon is. That's awful. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and, like, they have Jamal. Like, I imagine it's going to be a replacement for Jamal Williams unless they really don't want to pay Aaron Jones when his contract. But that wouldn't – like, why – I don't know. I don't get it because, like, that's what I was saying when it happened. I'm like, they have two good running backs already. Mm-hmm. If you're going to draft a running back like that, why would you not wait? Why would you take him in the second round? Dude. I don't know what the Packers did was so mind boggling. They had the worst draft of anyone in the league. I don't even think it's close. Yeah. The one thing that they did that was okay was drafting um, the tight end of Cincinnati, Josiah DeGuara. Yeah. Um, It's a guy. I mean, again, weak tight end class. There was probably like slim pickings by then already. Um, But no wide receivers at all. I mean, what, like, it just, it's, it was so head scratching. And I'm, I got a lot of Packers friends and I had to, I had to talk them through like jumping off the cliff. Oh, yeah. They were, they were baffled. They were mind boggled. And you, you do it to a guy who's, who's a quarterback who is, he like ostracized himself from his family. And like something happened where it pissed him off where he doesn't even talk to his family anymore. Like, you just did the same thing with, you just did the same thing with Aaron Rodgers, and now he's gonna he's he's just petty. He's gonna figure out a way to kind of piss oh. off the Packers. You know what's gonna happen? I wouldn't. We're gonna see some all time like petty. Like if people think that LeBron James is a petty person, this this doesn't even compare. I just mm-hmm. I really don't understand how as a front office front office that has honestly been pretty good how you go through one of the deepest receiver classes that most people have ever seen and just don't take a single one. Mm -mm. The Raiders took three receivers that will likely uh, contribute to their team, and the Packers didn't take any. I don't understand how you let that happen, especially when you're a team coming off of an NFC title game and you still can be one of the better teams in the NFC, but instead you handcuff your – I don't know, you start – pivoting to the future rather than focusing on maybe contending one or two more years. It is one of the more baffling things that I've seen. I think really the only pick I, I really like is the John Runyon pick from Michigan. That's a good, that's a good pick. He's good. Like good guard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But after that, I, I'm just looking at it. I go, where, where, where do you, where do you look up from here? I, <laughs> you, this is Whatever Gutenkust or whatever his name was, whatever they're doing, him and LaFleur, what they that those two dopes like 
that's a terrible little brain trust they had operating there. And I don't know. I'm baffled, baffled to the core. I get as a coach wanting your guy, but is Jordan Love really your guy? I mean, he's good. Like, he has all the tools, whatever. Like, if you like him, you like him. Mm-hmm. Get your guy. But trading up when you still have Aaron Rodgers, I don't know. It's all – I agree with you. It's all rough. Safe to say a solid F. I'm giving it a Z, brother. <laughs> An F minus. Well, let's uh... – we we got the shit on the Packers a little bit, but yeah. now now we get to get a little nervous because Minnesota not a nervous, not a little Minnesota nervous. had a good, good draft. They, That's I would say they had the best draft. All right, give me your case. They they knocked this draft out of the park. First of all, obviously they traded away Stephon Diggs, mm-hmm. and with the pick that they got for Stephon Diggs, they brought in Ju- Justin Jefferson. Beautiful pick, LSU guy. He's very good. I don't know how like he lasted that long. They're going to be really happy with him on the other side of Thielen. And then Xavier Rhodes left this offseason. I mean, he was washed anyways. But they had, a, they had a hole to fill at corner, and then they go and they get Jeff Gladney, a good corner from TCU, and they double up and get Cameron Dantzler later in the draft from Mississippi State. So you get in two young corners – you get an offensive tackle, and I believe his name is Ezra Cleveland. Yep. Yeah, you got Ezra Cleveland, uh, offensive tackle. They've needed offensive line help for forever. Mm-hmm. And a sneaky good pick is the guy they drafted out of Baylor, James Lynch. Yeah. The Here's guy the- is a monster on the inside. He's a defensive tackle who can really rush the passer. And mm-hmm. you just add that to a defensive line. That already is full of monsters. It's stupid, honestly. I just they they killed this draft. Yeah, they had a gazillion picks, and almost I, I'm looking at the list right now. I'm like, almost every single one was a guy that could really be a plug and play guy. Um, yeah. all the way up until hell the seventh round, like that fourth round when they got James Lynch. Um, two picks after they got my favorite linebacker in the draft, and that was Troy Dye. Yeah, I didn't even talk about him. Mm-hmm. That guy's a missile. That guy's a missile at Oregon. That dude could fly around, and he, he was—he was just an athletic, like sideline to sideline guy. A little small, but yeah. whatever. Put him at will, and he'll be—he'll be fine. He wanted to take on a ton of blocks. Like that guy is just gonna hawk everything down that comes near him. He's gonna—he's a good coverage guy too. Um, and then all up into seventh pick when they got—you guys are Michigan State guys, right? Lucas. You got got your boy Kenny Willikis too. Yeah, that's a good pick in the seventh round. Mm-hmm. That was an awesome pick. Willikis is not like an athletic freak, but he's one of those high motor, high upside. Like it's kind of like exactly low ceiling or high floor, low ceiling kind of guys. Like yeah, like you know, spark plug, real Jim Rant type guy. Just, you know? Yeah, like he's a good guy to have on your team, and a like a guy that you know if you put in the game is going to work hard. He's going to get after the quarterback. But what else do you want in the seventh round? I mean. Mm-hmm. They, they, they got Josh Metellus from Michigan, who's a solid safety. He's not he's not the best, but he's he's a good player. He's a good tackler. He's he, he's a guy you can have around the ball that can make some plays. And I mean, he's got he's no he's not lacking confidence either. So you got a guy who believes in himself that's coming in and feels like he can play. They 
there's just a lot of dudes in this class that are going to play for them. And on a team that already had a really good defense and you add a lot of pieces on defense, it's, they're going to be tough. I, I'm not excited about the prospect of them being uh, a, a two-time opponent next year. Yeah, they hit on like 11 of the 15 picks that they had. Like, they, they, they it, was a, it was a remarkable draft. Yeah. And sort of killed it. Spielman, um, yeah, he, he did a, he did a great job. I, it's, yeah, I, I've got nothing else to add to it. It's just great. Not that this has anything to do with the draft, but just while we're on the topic of the NFC North, um, I think it's pretty safe to say that the Packers and Bears have pretty, that's probably the biggest rivalry, um, of that little conference. Yeah. Um, as a Lions fan, who would you even consider our biggest rival? I think people, the Packers. I, think I also people, feel like think everybody just, just hates the, the Packers. Packers. Yeah, everybody in the NFC North hates the Packers. Yeah, sure. it's like by default. <laughs> yeah, you have to. So what happens when you win too much. Fuck them. <laughs> I, I would say, I would say Detroit and Chicago is a, a, a decent one. It goes For back sure. long. Yeah. I think uh, other sports. Yeah, I think like basketball. Heated, that, but it's still there. Like it's just a city rivalry. Honestly, it'll mm-hmm. always be there. Yeah. Yeah. I think now that I think because you got Red Wings, Blackhawks, obviously Pistons and Bulls um, don't yeah. get along. But I would say Minnesota Green Bay is probably the this second, is a good one. Yeah, just they're so close team. together geographically, mm-hmm. and they've been they've kind of like they've kind of stuck it to each other on some pretty significant moments too, in terms of like like playoff implications and all that. They've always been pretty, they've always been pretty neck and neck with each other in the '90s. They were kind of going at it. Like the early 2000s and stuff. So I'd probably say my pick would be Green Bay and Minnesota in terms of second biggest rivalry. I'd agree. Okay. Um, moving forward, uh, you guys have already kind of touched on a little bit just how deep the wide receiver um, class was. Uh, let's kind of talk about that. Some of the big names that went. Um, when, who, who was your favorite receiver in the draft, Jared? Judy. Jared Judy. Like, Without a doubt, I mean, were you, were you shocked that he didn't go to the Raiders? Yeah, I don't know. The Raiders like channeled Al Davis right there, drafted him. <laughs> <at all. laughs> the spirit of Al Davis took over Mike Mayock. He's like, ah, I gotta take him. No, he's like, ah, four three forty. Huh? Um, I just, I, I didn't understand. I know Ruggs is really good. I'm not trying to downplay his talent or anything like that. But if any receiver was on the board, it was going to be Judy over all of them. I mean. Judy is you watch that guy run routes like you might get like you might start bleeding from cuts because like they're so <laughs> sharp like the guy runs the sharpest routes I've ever seen it's like rice dude like that guy is so precise on everything I love watching him and then like to just not even consider him like insane and to see where CD fell I'm like oh my god like what is what was Oakland doing? Oakland kind of had a questionable draft for me overall. It's it, it was a weird one. Like I think they got guys that can play, but they they reached a couple times for sure. Yeah. Uh, just yeah. to talk about Judy a little bit more. Another thing that is so great about him, like his route running, insane. Like Jared said, like, but he's also really good with the ball in his hands, and he's so good at making defenders miss. Like just watch his highlight tape. 
and just watch some of the jukes he he does. He does this like high step to like back juke. It's the nastiest thing I've ever seen in my life. Does it make you kind of sad that he got drafted by Denver? It doesn't because I love what they did with their offense. Mm-hmm. I think well, if they had a better quarterback, I don't know exactly how I feel about Drew Locke, but I think he's decent enough to not ruin Jerry Judy, which I think is pretty much impossible. But they've got a lot of weapons on offense now, so I think that helps when you have a guy that you're not so sure on. Yeah, they're loaded now. They have a lot of guys out there. It's nuts. They drafted Judy and Hamler, and then they already had Deshaun Hamilton and Cortland Sutton and Noah Fant. And then they drafted Albert, I don't know how to say his last name, a tight end from um, Missouri. So they've, they've just got targets, yeah. and then you've still got – they signed Melvin Gordon, and they still have Phillip Lindsay. That offense, it's just got – it's almost got too many people. Mm-hmm. Almost too many mouths to feed. Yeah. I like I – like, I, like, I, I think it's fine that he went there. The really biggest question mark is Drew Locke, who's finished yeah. out the season really, really strong. So mm-hmm. if he can carry that momentum into the into this coming year, then Denver, Denver's going to give Kansas City a run for their money. If as long as Denver wears the like the orange Elways, then I'm good with whatever they do. Yeah, they need to go back to those. Um, let's let's great. briefly talk on Lamb, just because I feel like if we're talking receivers, we also got to bring him up. He kind of slipped. Fell back a little bit, went to the Cowboys. Wow, look at that offense. Let's talk about that. It You hate to see it. It's just a short version. I mean, yes. nobody wants them to have good things. No. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> hate Green Bay. They're not Green Bay Dallas, sorry. <laughs> They're still on the line. It's just, I mean, he's great. He's so good after the catch. He's... He's going to fit in perfectly in that offense with Amari Coop. It's just, he's a perfect, he's a great compliment to Amari. I mean, you have the skilled route running. Of, they're both really good route runners. I just think it's, it's unfortunate for everybody that hates Dallas, which is most people, I feel like, that they were able to come away with, with the, the draft as a whole that they had, honestly, and with C.D. Lamb. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people were trying DeAndre Hopkins comparisons to C.D. Lamb. And if you watch him in Oklahoma, like after the catch, the guy was so strong with the ball. Uh, he's already going to a loaded receiving core with Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup, who also had a really big year. Mm-hmm. Dak, who is probably going to be playing with a fire because he doesn't have his money yet. And Zeke, the offensive line, that's amazing. I I actually like Dallas's prospects coming into this season. And they did a lot of good things on defense, too. And they actually, like, when they they picked up Neville Gallimore, his teammate from Oklahoma, who's a really, like, sneaky good defensive tackle. And then they got Trayvon Diggs, who – Stephon Diggs' brother, who's also a really talented corner. Corner, yep. And I, in my opinion, they got arguably one of the biggest steals in the draft, getting Tyler Biotish or Biotish the center to replace Travis Frederick from Wisconsin. Yep. Guy who was the, I don't remember what award they give to the center in college football, but he won it at the center of the year. Like they just kind of plug and play like another Wisconsin offensive lineman to plug it in right there. Like, I don't think they're going to lose any, lose any steps on that offensive line with him. 
I think Dallas is going to be a really, really good team. I think they're going to be strong. They got them in the fourth round, too. That's mm-hmm. what's crazy about it. Like, this is probably most likely the best center. Well, maybe the second best center in the draft. And By Christian Barry. Yeah. Like, and they, they got him in the fourth round on top of getting CeeDee Lamb, Trayvon Diggs, Gallimore. It's just, and they got another, another young corner and Reggie Robinson. I don't know that much about him, but they, he's, he's a, he's fast, I guess. And he's got decent size. So, I mean, they kind of killed this draft too, which is a real bummer. Mm-hmm. Oh, they got Bradley and I too, the defensive end yeah. of Utah, the undersized guy. But they say he's like kind of like a, he's a bit of a spark plug. Like he's just got a lot of energy to him. He's really tough, mm-hmm. like outside linebacker, defensive end type. So they did some good things. They did. I mean, I guess while we're talking about the Cowboys, let's kind of transition over to the Eagles, um, who <laughs> made another kind of shocking pick. Uh, they got a quarterback. They got Jalen Hurts. What's what's up with that? I don't. I never understood the love affair with Jalen Hurts this offseason. Whatever. I <laughs> I've been I've gotten into so many arguments about this guy uh, lately. I just did you watch him play in Alabama? I mean, yes, he could do a lot of like interesting things, but I don't think he's that good of a quarterback. I mean, hell, the dude got benched in the national championship game for a freshman. This is a. Uh... It happens, you know. It's Lamar Jackson effect. It's they fall in love with a quarterback that can. And of course, this is not comparing him to Lamar Jackson because Lamar Jackson is much better as a runner and thrower. Honestly, I just think teams see guys like that succeeding. He just won MVP. You know, he's going to be on the Madden cover, and you take a guy that you think could be like that. But it doesn't make sense even for the Eagles still because they have Carson Wentz. I know he's a guy that get that has been injured a lot. But still, with a team that had huge – like, they, they made a lot of moves at receiver in the end. But at the time, it didn't make sense seeing that they needed receiver help. They needed help in their defensive backfield. They're just mm-hmm. – for a team that reasonably, like, could still be in title contention, it's a weird move to take a guy like Jalen Hurts, who probably – he doesn't project as, as a pro passer, really, at all. Um in the second round. I just – it's weird. Like, I like that he's a great guy. He's fun to watch. He looked good at Oklahoma, but he's making open throws and one, maybe two reads. He's not He's not doing anything that he would do in the pros. Yeah, that's like Oklahoma's calling card is you're going to go there and you're going to throw for at least 4,500 yards. It's what they do. It's what every yeah. Oklahoma quarterback does with Lincoln Riley. He's like, yeah, you, you're you're benefiting from playing with like the best offensive coach in the country, but that doesn't necessarily make you a great quarterback, you know. And mm-hmm. that's unfortunately what he is, and it's a it's just a weird pick for Philly. Because mm-hmm. and then see like what tempers my expectations about Jalen is that we've seen him at two schools, and we've seen him at Alabama, which is probably more pro centric with their offensive scheming. Um, obviously the NFL is kind of trending a certain way now with the RPO game getting more heavily involved and yeah. probably trending more towards like the Lincoln Riley style of football. Um, mm-hmm. But we've seen him operate under center. There's nothing impressive, nothing that blows those off. Here. It's like the guy can do a little bit of this, do a little bit of that. But if you're expecting him to be like you're like a 10 year starter, expecting you to play quarterback traditionally, I just don't see it. 
I don't see it I get, ever. I I guess he could be like be a gadget player, like like Taysom Hill, maybe. I don't I don't know, man. I I I, I just don't see it either. I agree. Yeah, and to reach for him too in the second round when they need mm-hmm. to fill a few more holes too, and like uh, I don't know, second round, like second round for Jalen, like third round. I thought that would be fitting for him, but. What do I know? I mean, I'm sitting here doing nothing, just talking about what happened. You know? I'm not actually picking up. Listen, we've been pretty NFC heavy, so let's kind of talk about a couple AFC teams, and then we can kind of move on. Um, D, we watched the draft together. I know one team that you um, were kind of happy with is the Colts. Uh, you want to talk a little yeah. bit about some of the moves they made? I generally just like what they do. I think they – they're just run really well. I mean, for a team who is it because they drafted they uh, Jackson's on? Well, that doesn't hurt. Uh, but no, they they just they they do things well. I still don't totally understand the Philip Rivers move for him. I think he's probably closer to being washed than he is to leading them to a title. But if you can get a good year out of Philip Rivers, whatever. But they got another wide receiver in Michael Pittman. They got Jonathan Taylor, who by all means is a productive running back if he can yeah. um, hold on to the ball. Then they pick up some guys. They they did draft a quarterback in Jacob Eason. He's not my favorite of the guys, but I do think that he can be a productive quarterback in the pros with some time. Great draft him too. I don't know if you saw he, that when his girlfriend was like talking his ear off and he looked like he was just and wanted to shoot himself on the couch. I did not see that actually. <laughs> <laughs> he just cut to him and he's like just slumped over in his couch. He's just talking and talking and talking. He's like, just help me. Like, <laughs> yeah, I just think they did like, they did good stuff that with them trading their first round pick before the draft and getting a caliber of player in of like DeForest Buckner and then coming into the draft in doing what they did, I just think with what they had, they did pretty well and filled some of their needs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I loved Indy's draft. Chris Ballard at it again. Very good. Guy's best. Very junior. good at what he does. Best junior. He's, Michael Pittman Jr. is a dog. I mean, they like to plug him into that receiving core, which they probably need another guy. That guy is an absolute stud. I love Michael Pittman. John I like Taylor. Him. Oh, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say I really like the idea of having T.Y. Hilton, Pittman, and Paris Campbell. I think that that, that could be pretty nice. Mm-hmm. Um, the Jonathan Taylor pick was great, too, because now you really filled out that stable with Naheem Hines and Marlon Mack. Yeah, it's nasty. Mm-hmm. Good offensive line. Nasty. Um, I don't remember what they did at tight end, but obviously they didn't need one. But... They got rid okay. of Ebron. Yeah, they got rid of Ebron. Yes, that's nothing but nothing but good things right there. You got you, you got to know very well. Um, <laughs> uh, loved Indy. Indy did great. Um, uh, uh, I don't know. Baltimore. Baltimore had an awesome draft too. Fantastic how, draft. How J.K. Dobbins just falls into their lap, like. He was my favorite running back in the whole entire class. You get Patrick Queen, who projects like I looked at him as like a Roquan type. He's fast, rangy, like cover all over the field, athletic, strong, smart. Um, J.K. Dobbins just somehow falls to him. 
and yet another running back to that crazy running attack that they have. Um, and he'll probably be the best one. Like he, well, Mark Ingram is obviously still Mark Ingram, but I think Dobbins. I I watched him shred Michigan for too many years. Yes, he's Big Ten in general. Ate him a lot. He's a beast, dude. Yeah. And then Justin Matabuke is a nice defensive tackle from AM. Um and I love the Devin Duvernay pick. Duvernay is a great pick for a team. They need receivers. He's a perfect he's a perfect fit on that team. And mm-hmm. I know I, I've got a, a friend who's a pretty big Ravens fan who was uh who had gotten his hopes up for Jonathan Taylor. But I personally when I look at this draft, I feel like they knocked it out of the park. And they, they also got um Harrison from Ohio State. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The another linebacker, another productive linebacker. Yep. And uh, a good offensive lineman from Michigan, Ben Bredesen. Like they yeah. really had a really solid draft across the board. Um, oh, Proche. Proche is good too. The receiver from SMU. I know. A guy that can win. Con- he can win contested catches. Like he's just a tough, he's, he's a six round receiver. So you probably don't expect too much for, from him. But I mean, the guy could be a good contested catch receiver. I mean, to a team that lacked receivers and young receivers, I think they probably have to be happy with the two guys that came away with at that position. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Listen, I, well, Baltimore. Oh, you go, you go, you go. I was just going to say Baltimore just had a really good draft right there with Indianapolis. Just a solid and almost top to bottom good draft. Just getting players that are con- going to contribute to a good team. I mean, you can't beat that. Well, I have uh, Jared in here. I figure we have to talk the Chargers. Um, before we talk the draft, though, can we talk about those jerseys? Oh, the best Hold jersey. on, hold on. Okay. Best jerseys in the league. So I just want to say this. We have seen so many teams rebrand and redo their jerseys, and they're terrible. Every time. The Chargers got it right. Yes. They knocked it out of the park. These are – they're the best jerseys in the league, and it's not. I feel like they should get the first uh-huh. pick in the draft just because they nailed their jerseys. Just because they look the best. Yeah. <laughs> NFL's like, holy shit! Yep, you guys are rewarded with the first pick in the draft. I mean, it only makes sense. But Jared, what's your thoughts on uh, on the moves that uh, LA made? And they had a bit of a thin draft, so it was kind of like the Bears. You're going to have to kind of take it with a grain of salt, although they were in the mix to get a quarterback, like one of the top quarterbacks in this class. And they obviously went Justin Herbert. You fan? Herbert, it's, he's such an enigma. I, my my opinion is still, is still out right now. I had to see him in the pros because you love him from a measurable standpoint. He's gigantic. He's really smart. He's got a rocket arm. He has a tendency to not throw anything with touch, which is bad. If you watch any of his games, like he just likes to zip everything in there. Like there's no sense of just like just floating it into the basket when you need to. Um, he was woefully inconsistent at Oregon. Uh, the first game at Auburn really showcased it because the first half he was awesome. And the second half he just fell apart. And I was watching some film on him, and there was just a lot of easy throws and open receivers that he just didn't even look at. Which, like, if you're any if, if if you're any bit optimistic about him, that could like throw your opinion out the window. Um, I think he's a smart enough guy to learn once he gets to the team, once he gets to an actual pro team, 
because that offense at Oregon was pretty pedantic. Like, it was just gross. Like, it wasn't very good. It's not what you're used to from Oregon. Um, and just they, they're, they're not the same team anymore. Um, I think mm, – I, I, don't, I don't really have an opinion on Herbert right now. I just can't give you one because I'm so unsure about him. He's just a big question mark. Love Kenneth Murray. Kenneth Murray's a stud. Kenneth Murray's a beast. Beast. Yeah, <laughs> you watched him. You watched him even like for five minutes. He was the first guy that stuck out on Oklahoma's defense. And they don't play defense at the Big 12, so it's kind of easy. But he was out there just manhandling fools. Like that guy. Absolutely. But, um, Josh, their defense Kelly. should be a problem. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. After getting Chris Harris, too. Derwin yeah. James is healthy. You know, uh, you have uh, – a the defensive line is still stacked. You still got Bosa and Ingram. I mean, that's always going to get you at least 25 sacks a year probably. Easy. Easy. Yeah. Casey Hayward's yeah. still there. Desmond King's still there. Uh, you you got guys. Like, that defense should be good. But should be. In typical Chargers fashion, they're probably going to just underwhelm. Um. Other than that, the draft is pretty weak. KJ Hill's a nice little player from Ohio State. Um, I I like I've always personally liked Alohi Gilman a lot, the safety from Notre Dame and the transfer from Navy. He's not gonna wow you athletically. But he's just a smart, instinctive player. He just makes a lot of plays and he's aggressive in the run. I, I always liked Gilman at Notre Dame, but he might just be a backup. Nothing more, but a good backup nonetheless. So like if yeah. if Derwin goes down, he's going to be like a nice little safety belt. Other than that, okay. Chargers defense or Chargers draft. Sorry, um, nah, it's okay. Again, I would just. just I was bother. just going to say quickly about Herbert. Um, if there's anything to be optimistic about, it would be going into that offense with the weapons that they have. Mm-hmm. That is the like that's the one thing where if you're a Chargers fan, you have to feel like having a guy come in and having Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, and Hunter Henry to throw to is not – and Austin Eckler is probably a pretty good thing to have. Mm-hmm. So that's what I would say. Yeah, it should lighten his load a little bit. Yeah. Not put too much pressure. And he might not even start right away. I mean – Probably not. Mm. They seem to really like Tyrod. Uh, which I'm all for. I mean, Tyrod can play. He's not a slouch by any means. If we're going to end anywhere, um, at least NFL-wise – um, let's let's touch on Miami a little bit. Um, Tua, that was kind of the big question mark of the draft. Where's he going to go? Is he going to be able to stay healthy? Um, what's your guys' thoughts on how Miami uh, drafted? Uh, they had so many picks. So many picks. Like like in early abs- round picks, too. Yeah, an absurd amount of picks. And I think what they did – was what you can hope to do with that many picks. You just get guys who are going to contribute to a team that is, frankly, like up and coming. Like they, everybody expected them to win what maybe two games last year. I think they won five. There's they're building a culture there, and I think as a Detroit fan, I'm kind of a little like it kind of hurts a little bit to know that we got the we we got the lesser of the New England guys cuz like Flores went in and made an impact immediately and kind of turned what seemed to be a, a franchise that was going nowhere around and I mean you get a guy like Tua who's a generational talent and if he stays healthy 
he's your quarterback for the next 10 to 15 years, and you can't beat that. And then you add offensive linemen that are going to contribute right away in Austin Jackson and Robert Hunt. You get an athletic freak at corner, and you just keep adding guys who, who can come in and contribute. I think they did. They did some really good stuff, and they, they added – they maybe weren't the fl- – outside of Tua, maybe not the flashiest picks, but they were picks that are going to contribute to what they probably hope will be an, an increasing – they they hope to build a winning culture, and it starts with guys like this. I think. Mm-hmm. Well, I love just about everything Miami did this weekend. Um, filled tons of positions of need. Really prioritized pra- uh, protecting Tua for the future, mm-hmm. and really got to got their quarterback that they so desperately needed. You know, I mean, you can only roll with Fitz Magic for so long. Um, they got a guy that I think is going to be in lockstep with Flores for the next 12 years, at least. I, I don't really worry too much about Tua's injury history. I think, I don't, yeah. I think Flores and, and the front office there are going to beat it into his head to say, like, you're not Russell Wilson. You can't move like Russell Wilson, but you can throw like Russell Wilson. Just play in the pocket. Don't try to make all these incredible plays. He doesn't need to play like that. Just be Drew Brees. Why not? Like, be Drew Brees. Exactly. That's basically who he is. Exactly. Hyper accurate, really smart, throws a pretty ball. I mean, Mm -hmm. say in the pocket, we invested all this. We invested in these two tackles to protect you in the future. Got a decent offensive line. The defense is shaping up. They had a really good free agency haul. I mean. Amazing. Yes. Like, they – we got you. We, they got they they got them set up for the future. I think I think yeah. Miami did a really good job. I think Miami is Miami and Buffalo are going to battle for the uh, the AFC East crown for the next few years. I I agree. And uh, and the sneaky move they pulled off is uh with some of that capital. You know they were a team who was pretty uh, starved at running back mm-hmm. last year. Yeah. Safe to say, and they traded for Matt Breida with a fifth round pick. That's a that's a great pick for a guy who with a ton of speed who just knows how to play and he's a really productive guy. I mean, he's he's not going to be the best running back in the league, but they don't need that. They need a guy who can come in and just eat up some carries and he'll do that and he'll do it well. It's a perfect compliment to Jordan Howard. Mm-hmm. Well, Absolutely. listen, I said that we were going to end with uh, Miami, but after looking at my notes, now the tuxedos seem a little fucked up. And I feel wrong not letting D talk about um, how good the Cardinals drafted. Um, well, they, so I'm gonna well we're gonna talk that, and then we can move on from that. But. I don't know. As a whole, the draft is is fine. You know, I just I mean, when you get a guy like Isaiah Simmons, it it changes everything. Mm-hmm. I think as a as a whole, the team had a really good off season. You get DeAndre Hopkins in there. Get rid of David Johnson, who can't stay healthy. Like, you fleece the Texans in an all-time bad trade. And you get a top three, top two, probably, receiver in the league. And then you go and you add a guy on defense that can literally do everything. He's a monster, and they got a, they got a freak. The fact that he fell to eight is honestly shocking. I can't believe it. Um, but, yeah, that – Sometimes, you know, and they took a good offensive lineman in the second round, which they are in the third round, 
which they needed because you got to protect your asset in Kyler Murray. Mm. I think, I mean, you got a weapon for your, you got a, a top notch weapon for your receiver. And then you just got a Swiss army knife on defense. What more can you really ask for out of an off, out of an off season? Is that the new? Yeah, they really probably. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, is that the new Madden team or what? But you go ahead, Jared. Oh, shit. Arizona is definitely the new Madden team. Are you kidding me? <laughs> they got... Isaiah, Sermon's... Isaiah Sermon's just mega Derwin James. You're just going to run yeah. down the field with him. But he's going to single-handedly make sure they don't get destroyed by tight ends again all year. And he's mm-hmm. the perfect piece they needed on defense. You couldn't pass him up. And then Josh Jones, a nice tackle. You know, they got yeah. another piece to help protect Kyler. And then after that, they really prioritized defense. They got two defensive tackles and a linebacker. They just got, they just got some nice pieces. Like they, they, they really. I you can't if you're a Cardinals fan, you can't be that mad on paper with the draft. I think they did a good job. And Eno Benjamin, watch out, that guy. I love Eno Benjamin. Watch a lot of his stuff. He might be a nice little running back for the Cardinals in the seventh round. I forgot about this Weaver guy that they drafted. Have, did you see his stats at Cal? Uh-huh. And, like, I've never seen anything like these stats. It is insane how many – the dude's just a tackle machine. Okay, so in 2019, Weaver had 181 tackles. Holy shit. <gasps> in a 12-game season. That's like made thirteen. That's like, thirteen games. That's like Keekly numbers. That's insane. So like getting that guy in what was it, the sixth round? Uh huh. In the sixth round. That's a steal. You know I saw a lot of guys it was almost kind of like getting a defensive player from Cal this year was gonna be a solid bet. They had a really good defense. They had a great defense. They came they kinda of like shocked everybody with their defense, didn't they? Like they came out of nowhere. Yeah, they were top ten in the nation last year at one point. Wild, uh-huh. but yeah, I kind of forgot about that guy. I just remember I was watching the draft, and I had like looked down at my screen, and I'm like, "Did I? Is that number correct? 180 tackles in 13 games." So, at the very least, you know you're getting a guy who has a nose for the ball. Uh-huh. I mean, yeah, can't beat it. They did All right, well, that's going to be the end of the on the NFL side of things, but there's still lots to talk about. And I know Anchor literally cuts you off at two hours, so we got an hour to kill. Um, I'm sure we've all been watching the the Jordan documentary as it's been going out. Uh, We've gotten four episodes so far, correct? Uh, The Last Dance. Um, Thoughts. Uh, Obviously, it's... I mean, nobody's going to say it's bad. Nobody's going to... You're not going to zag here, but just... After watching this footage, is is it mostly stuff that you already kind of knew, or do you think they're doing a good job of throwing um, some good behind the scenes stuff that maybe some of us haven't seen before? Because I feel like in general, it's like that's kind of how it was built up to be. It's like, oh, this is the new Michael Jordan documentary with all this footage that nobody's ever seen before. But it's like a lot of these stories we've already heard. Um, so for me, it's not that much of a shocker hearing some of this stuff. Um, but obviously, it's completely entertaining and. You know, watching that guy is, he's hes the GOAT. You know, what else can you say other than uh, you can't take your eyes off the screen. So a documentary of just those highlights alone is just enough to like, get our eyes to the screen. But, uh, yeah, what are your guys' thoughts? Jared? 
I like so far. I thought the Rodman episode was underwhelming. Mm-hmm. I think they hyped up the Rodman stuff a little too much. We kind of already know all about Rodman. They already had a 30 for 30 about the guy. I mean, at this point, nothing surprises you about him. Um, but I thought it was really, I thought it was really interesting when they started to talk about the Cleveland series and Ron Harper with the quote of the century. Or the <laughs> that is the best thing of <laughs> in recorded human history. It was so good. He's like, he's like, hey, he's like, let me guard Jordan. He's like, I, I, I want to do it. He's like, I got him, I got him. And coach looks at him and goes, nah, I'll put Craig Elo on him. And Harper is just like, man, whatever. It's just like I was so happy when that happened. It just it honestly made my whole night last night. It was perfect. It was wonderful. That was a great one. Um other than that, like this has been a really, really great documentary. it's just been really engaging. It's really entertaining. There's nothing like I I think uh it's definitely everyone kind of had understanding that Jordan was the greatest. But over the last few years, the the LeBron camp has definitely picked up a lot of steam in terms of having opinion shift on who the greatest basketball player of all time mm-hmm. is. And I think I think this documentary is really kind of showing that crowd that hasn't really gotten a chance to digest all that is Jordan or experience all that is Jordan, including myself because I was young. I was really young during Jordan's heyday. It, may, it helps you really realize like how great this guy really was. Like. You watch some of his stuff nowadays, and it still pops out on the screen. Like, this guy was doing this then. Like, it's insane. It, it just it, 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 it reaffirms his greatness to people that didn't really buy into it before, I think. Yeah, I think watching Michael Jordan jump is like – is it's like on the same level of like watching Ken Griffey Jr. swing a bat. It's just like – it's so smooth and it's so effortless and you just, you can't stop watching it. I think there's obviously this season I was one, like when it was happening. So I don't remember any of this. I don't know a lot about like the, the small little details. Like I just like the little stuff, like when Jordan tells Doug Collins, like, don't worry, man, I'm not going to let you lose your first game. Just like little stuff like that. Seeing this guy, single-handedly just changed the entire landscape of the NBA. It's incredible. Like, we knew he did this, but kind of getting floor, getting ground access to it is is really fun. And it's fun to, like, enjoy it with everybody else because you know that this is all everybody is watching when it's on. So it's a really exciting communal event, and I think that part of it really adds to it. I'm not saying – that the structure of it is bad. Um, I just find it interesting because obviously it's called the last dance and it focuses on his last season with the bulls. So you got that storyline going forward, but then we'll stop, go back and start sort of at the beginning. Um, and I'm obviously mm-hmm. both of these storylines are going to meet at the end. Uh, but sometimes mm-hmm. it even, so it go it starts at the end, goes back to the beginning and then in the middle, they'll say, okay, now we're going to focus on one of the other players on his team. So then we're sucked into that. And I just feel like sometimes maybe it it fucks up the momentum of, like, building to that. You know, because really the the point of it is to focus on that last season. And I think that sometimes we get away from it so much that we cut when we cut back to it, it's like, oh, shit, okay, 
now we're, you know, um, I'm not saying I'm not looking forward to it going there, but it, like his story is so crazy that I think it's like almost like his, he's so good and his story is so great and all the accomplishments and hurdles he got over that it might even take away from the last championship that he won. But obviously I think that the thing that's holding it together is just how crazy that organization was. And the fact that they pretty much just said, all right, even if you win, this is it. This is the end of it. You know, Phil Jackson's out of here. Um, you know, and the media just on him asking him if he's going to retire. Um, I think that's the biggest eye opener. And it's like, oh, I didn't know that, you know, regardless, like the organization said, oh, no, we're going to end while we're on top. So, yeah. If- well, it's it's funny watching people like your nephew Landon experience it because he we were talking to him last night and he's like, couldn't the owner have just like fired the GM? And it was like interesting being, being able to explain to him like, look, this like that's just not how Reinsdorf works. No. Nope. He's that's just not no, nope. and he's like, oh, okay. So it kind of like it's cool seeing how it, it weaves together. Like you're learning about a lot of different stuff, but I didn't know anything about Jerry Krause before this. Like I didn't. It's it's kind of everybody's talked about it, but like the Space Jam mm-hmm. thing, that's rough. That's mm-hmm. really rough, especially oh, man. They did that guy. That's rough how they did that man. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's just. I the structure is I think the idea I guess would be to get you emotionally involved in like rooting for or like at least have like some type of rooting interest in this final season that they're building up that we're like so we actually care about it but I don't know it is a weird weird I mean structure. I I understand what they're doing because yeah, for sure. it's called the last dance it's focusing on the last season and but you also gotta you know fill everyone in, and you it's not the same if you just go um, linear. You know if you go from the beginning yeah, to the yeah. end. Um, so I get you have to mix it up and kind of go out of order. Um, so I mean I understand what they're doing, starting at the end, slowly giving you the breadcrumbs leading up to this moment. Um, I do think that we sometimes get a little too sucked into the past, um, but. Listen, I mean, you're also trying to sum up this guy's entire career and at the same time tell the story of just one season so I can understand how maybe two-thirds of an episode is focused on the old stuff because there's a lot to cover to the one-third that is a little little sprinkle of um, the final season. But I think it is kind of hilarious how, how much they even have to tell all these little stories like of Rodman taking a vacation uh, to Vegas. That's the most incredible. That's my favorite part of the doc. Yeah, I was going to so say, far. what's your guys' favorite episode so far? Ooh. Probably the Pippin episode. episode I like the Phil's. I was just going to double up on what I just said. I like the Phil Jackson episode. I liked, I didn't know any, like, Phil was wild. <laughs> I love that. I love that. It was fantastic. It took acid. Thought I was a lion. <laughs> <laughs> fantastic. Like, coaching in Puerto Rico. What a, 
what a story. Puerto Rico Premier League, too. The OGs of the no back-to-back rule, by the way. You know, play back-to-back games down here, I say. Oh, yeah. They were they were just playing every other day. Uh-huh. And kicking the, kicking the shit out of each other, too. Can oh, we, my God. Shooting refs in the leg? Mm-hmm. Can we talk about the, how good the soundtrack is, too? It's amazing. I've never seen anything like it in my entire life. I know. It's, I'm, I was, I'm, my jaw's on the floor just because I'm never expecting when they do, like, a needle drop. You know, last episode we got Beastie Boys with Rodman, uh, like, a little montage of highlights, and it's like, this is freaking incredible. I didn't even know I wanted this until it's in front of me. That's probably the overall best thing about it is just how they're like how they're able to pick the exact song to fit this like highlight tape that they're gonna give you for like a minute and a half, and it's perfect. He's an LL Cool J with Jordan. They're just oh, dude, it's freaking over. There was some big pun. There's I ain't no joke was in there. This. When Big Pun opened up that fourth episode, I was like, okay. I was like, got me. Got me hooked. <laughs> That's, yeah. <laughs> Let's go. That's what Damn, I'm saying. Just man. take my money. It's... Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. This is, this is an incredible doc in terms of just uh, uh, entertainment value, at least. I... Absolutely. Uh, I guess let's talk about the elephant in the room. Um, this past episode covered the bad boys. Uh, and we got some some heated stuff, especially when it comes to the the no handshake thing at the end, uh, when the Bulls finally overcame the the bad boys Pistons. All these years later, it looks like there's still bad blood between them. Um, Good thoughts. <laughs> Fuck Isaiah Thomas. <laughs> like, Isaiah Thomas, I hate that guy. <laughs> He's the worst. <laughs> Saw a great meme last night. It's like. Um, 90s Bulls fans and early 2000s Knicks fans. It was the meme of uh, Carl Weathers and Schwarzenegger from Predator, and they're like locking arms and like like flexible biceps. <laughs> and this is like both of them, and then in the middle holding hands, it was like hating Isaiah Thomas. Like just uh, <laughs> it was the best meme of the night. Yeah, I mean, it was it was a fun episode. I I, I thought we were gonna get more more bad boys than Rodman, but I mean, it was fine. I just, you knew there was bad blood, you know, and mm-hmm. I think Horace Grant obviously had the sound bite of that episode and I laughed at it. I thought it was funny. What did he say again? Did he say they called him like, there was some bitches or something? Him, yeah, straight up, straight up bitches. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I mean, just to get that level of, uh, of candor from, from players still and to know that the, there's still that much bad blood and animosity to this day. It's kind of amazing, honestly. Yeah, that's the, like that's the best part is that this stuff hasn't died down whatsoever. Great episode for negativity. Mm-hmm. The way that like the way Jordan taught like still talks about Isaiah, like like he hasn't let that die. Like I think that kind of that kind of shows you how crazy Jordan was. And Isaiah, oh yeah, Isaiah just conveniently like just. I don't know. Isaiah has like a weird way of trying to play victim, in my opinion. It's like kind of like deflect fault for what he did. Oh, and like in a way, kind of make Jordan look bad too. In a way, like he he decides to not acknowledge the fact that 
he iced him out during the all-star game and everything. Like he never really made mention of that. And then once Jordan kind of caught wind of it and then iced him out from the, uh, the dream team later on, it's just, there's just, it's just, it's just a petty history between those two and Isaiah. I just, I don't know. Isaiah it tries to come off and play victim and play the good guy. And in all reality, kind of no one likes him. And it's just the way it is. Great player. Can't ever can't ever deny him of that, but his Q rating's not exactly the highest, especially out in these parts. Luca, well, thoughts? I mean, I guess my question uh, to you, D, is just um, do you think just I guess we're just focusing on the, the handshake thing. Uh, do you have a problem with it? Do you, oh, the, or is it justified? Does it even matter? I feel like that's well. The Pistons were absolutely yeah. in the wrong. Like, I mean, this is a team you beat two years in a row, three, maybe three, um, whatever it was. But they they never did that to you. Like, I don't know. I'm I'm a fan of accepting defeat with grace, and you know, I think. I can understand getting caught up in the moment. Like that's probably realizing that your run is at an end and you're probably not going to win another championship, but that doesn't mean you walk off the floor. Like, I don't think there's any justification for that at home too, by the way. Yeah. Like it's not like you were afraid of their crowd coming on the floor because you're in the palace. I it's, it looks, it's a rough look. What about the counter Mm -hmm. of, you know, Boston doing that to them only years prior. Does that mean anything? Well, I thought that somebody made a really good – I don't remember who said it, but somebody made a good point that, like, Boston was on the road mm-hmm. when that happened. And I think they were just trying to get out of there for safety rather than – I don't know. I, I don't that, think I that even that on, if somebody else – I heard on that in Bill Simmons' pod. Actually. Yeah, that's – yeah. So, like, they were saying, like, Boston – Bill was saying Boston was on the road. You know, teams – fans used to rush the floor when they would win a series – and they were getting out of there for that. But even then, like, I don't think it's justified for them doing it. And I don't think it's it's the same thing. Like, just because somebody did something to you doesn't mean you can do the same thing to somebody else and make it okay. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think it all – obviously, we look shitty. And I think that the doc did, did a good job of, of showing that. Um, not that this justifies it by any means. Um, maybe it just, and in general, it really doesn't matter to me. Uh, but this is the all-time team to wear the black hat. You know, they have the nickname the Bad Boys for a reason. Um, this is a team that hands down is probably the dirtiest team. Or I guess yeah. the most successful dirty team. Um, and for them... Yeah, they, didn't shy, they didn't shy away from it at all, especially with guys like Wayne Beer kind of spearheading the whole entire movement. Right? Exactly. So, like, for them to kind of cap off the end of their run like that I think is almost just fitting um it's just like of course that's how they you know they go out and I don't know I also feel like there's a difference between like being a I I don't know because I guess that is being a sore loser um but I also feel like there's a difference between talking shit and just saying you know have your moment but I'm not going to be here for it um yeah I think there's worse they were, things that they could were have villains. happened, and you know, they just left. You know, they didn't. I don't know. I feel like there's worse things they could have done other than just not shaking their hand. I, I don't know. I think it's funny that I this is the thing that 
is still that we're still talking about. Um, well, I, I don't think it was yeah. a huge deal, um, but I do think that they were in the wrong. For that's, sure, that's yeah, it. and especially I think, I think Jordan put yeah. it um, said it the best when he's like, "Listen, you know, you can think whatever you want, but." The season prior, when they beat them in Game Seven, they still went up and you know shook their hand and shit. So I think that's mm. probably the best argument um, of the whole bickering back and forth is just, uh, hey, you know, we hate you just as much as you hate us, and when you beat us, even though Pippen, you know, was out with a sore vagina, um, we still shook your hand and all that good stuff. So. The fact that they didn't, you know, what, what, well, I'm just saying, man, that he pulled the, he pulled the LeBron, uh, freaking cramping. I think I this know. is different. Migraines, like, yeah. <laughs> I love Jordan's reaction to him hearing that Scotty had migraines. He's like, I, I guess migraines are real. So I just told him got power through it. Okay. It's like, it's it's unheard it's unheard of to him that he couldn't play through it and still be productive. Like his brain, I don't know, he's just wired Jordan, completely different. Jordan is a functioning psychopath. <laughs> oh, without a doubt. <laughs> like Jordan's nuts. Can we yeah, he's, like like it's insane levels of what he does, like in terms of his competitiveness. Like you could shoot him in the face, and he'd be like, "No, nah, I think I still play." Like the guy is incredible. Like I don't get it. Like he scares me. Yeah, he's uh, he's he's there's something something up with him. All right, the fact he just couldn't fathom Scotty having a fucking migraine. Those exist. <laughs> All right, so we go NFL. We talked a little bit of the Jordan doc. Uh, let's transition into um, something all three of us uh, have a little little taste in. Um, I just think it's funny. I've had a bunch of conversations with my dad about how pro wrestling has no fans these days. Um, I haven't sat down and watched a full episode like that, but just from the stuff that we've seen, Jared, uh, any thoughts on the, the fanless WrestleMania or anything like that? I didn't watch WrestleMania this yeah. year. But just in general, it's you. like, it's almost kind of painful even watching clips and, you know, you realize how much of a factor that fans are in mm-hmm. in pro wrestling and to not have any, I think, kind of, uh, I don't know, it, it's kind of a bad look for them. I wouldn't say it's bad luck, but it's almost like, it seems almost kind of stupid to, it just kind of seems stupid to have wrestling matches go on without fan interaction. Such a vital part to it. We know we know it's scripted. We know that it's choreographed and everything. It's just like them alone in a ring, like still talking shit to each other without any <laughs> crowd reaction. You're just like, oh my god, it's I so want to vomit. It's so cartoony. Yeah, it's cringy. They need like it's uh, it's just awkward. It, yeah, it's just really awkward. I don't have anything else to say about it other than that. Like, you should at least like pump some some crowd noise into the stadium, do something when somebody like says a line that's supposed to get a reaction. It's just just have a laugh I've track. Seen a couple clips like a sitcom. 
Yeah, like <laughs> if you have to, like really steer into the skit. Don't don't do this awkward like this guy's giving a speech about how good he is to nobody. Like imagine JR back in the day if he's here and like somebody does something. Oh my he's god. Dead. He's dead. <laughs> and nobody's like nobody can't. like it's so weird. No, I love I love I would love no crowd JR. Just him moving oh, stuff be... in an empty room. From that actually be would that would be incredible. <laughs> like the one that... guy that's excited would probably just feel <laughs> like would just be enough energy to feel the whole pay per view, and it would... his his energy might be able to do it. I think he might. <laughs> let's just get him and the king back together. Let's uh, let's kind of move on from pro wrestling to fighting. Um, yeah. A uh, lot, of, lots of uh, UFC talk these days. They were gonna put on uh, 249 in early April or mid-April, and that got delayed to early May. Uh, awesome that they're still, you know, trying to put this event on. Um, unfortunately, once again, the Tony versus Khabib fight fell through for what now a fifth time, fourth time. And it's not destined to happen ever. Um, so even though we're getting it, now we're just putting another, you know, opportunity for Tony Ferguson to lose before he even gets the real title shot, which is just... And a very real opportunity. Yeah, too. he's what? And Tony Ferguson's won his last 11? It's uh, like, what the fuck, dude? But regardless, they're, they're flirting with, they've talked about, you know, they're making an an island or they're going to fight on this island and, you know, whatever. Um, but I think what they said, the one in May, at least the first, cause I heard that they want to do even more than one, um, pay-per-view too. So I don't know how that works. If they're putting on like five different pay-per-views in the same month, um, back to back to back. But I think the May 9th one is in Florida. Um, so maybe I'll have to go, Oh, well, nobody can even, uh, go to it because there's no fans or anything. Um, but I don't know. It's just, how do you guys feel about them still trying to put events on um, in a world where we don't I mean, have they, sports? They had a crowdless event in Brazil already, mm-hmm. and it wasn't, it wasn't bad. It's just, again, it's kind of weird not having a crowd there, especially with a, with a sport that, like, is it feeds out the energy off the reactions of what's going on and everything. It's not like it's a, it's a vital part of it, but it definitely helps. Um, I think it's, I think it's fine. I think with fighting, you can make it happen. It's a one V one thing. You don't really need a ton of people there. You know, I don't know. It could happen. and still be exciting. I mean, the card look seems pretty stacked, you know, they're, uh, Henry Cejudo and Dominic Cruz. That'll be sweet. If Dominic can stay healthy, <laughs> you know, um, but that's exciting. Um, I heard that the Rose fight isn't happening now, which is kind of a bummer. I was excited to see her come back, but you get freaking Francis Ngannou um, uh, fighting. Fill in the gap for me, Jared. Uh, oh, uh, uh, Rosenstruck. Yeah. Um, it's that card. I mean, D, I know you're not the type of guy to go to Buffalo Wild Wings and watch the stuff typically unless one style bender is fighting. Um, but in a world where there's no sports, is this something that you might turn, tune into? Um, it's not that I don't like, like watching it. I just, 
I don't know enough about it. You know what I mean? So like I get all my information from you. Like you get baseball information from me. That is how this it's works. A, it's yes. an even exchange. But uh, I I was looking. I actually was looking forward to to Tony and Khabib. I mean, Tony Ferguson if versus there's... Uh, Gaethje is fucking like there's no possible way that that's not an entertaining fight because both of those guys are deadly. Um, and it, it makes me sad just because even though it is such a fun fight that even if Tony wins and we get Tony Khabib at the end of the year, then like, I don't think we'll have the same Tony Ferguson because anytime you fight Gaethje, you know, you're coming back less than you were before. You know, he's just going to be so beat up by the time he gets there that I'm nervous that we won't ever get, uh, Tony versus Khabib, which is a little upsetting. Because I think he's got a real good shot at uh, dethroning the undefeated Russian champ. Um, but I think he has the best chance of anybody right yeah, now. Yeah. Um, do you have any thoughts in terms of what's going to happen? I obviously one of the biggest stories at the beginning of the year is uh, was Connor coming back, completely demolished uh, Cowboy. Um, he's obviously in the lightweight division that talked about, you know, he wants the next title shot, blah, 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 blah. Um, we thought that he could possibly fight Gaethje. Tony fights Khabib. The winners meet. Now that Khabib isn't fighting, we get Gaethje and Tony. Uh, this kind of leaves Connor in the dust. What does he do now? You know, he wanted to be, he had talked about fighting three or four times this year. And now it looks like, is he even going to have another fight this year? You know what I mean? Uh, he might not. I mean, and what do you do if you're him? Because, I mean, on the other side, you know, we've seen him at welterweight before. Um, but Masvidal is about to fight Usman. That's on, that's bound to happen, but that's the next welterweight fight. So we can't even get, you know, Connor fighting either of those two. Really, the only thing that's left is either Poirier round two and the Nate Diaz trilogy. Um, but, you know, Nate's coming off a loss, so I don't know if he would want to do that. I feel like if Connor loses, then that's the the right choice. But he hasn't lost yet. You know, he just beat Cowboy. He's still trying to kind of get that thrown back. I don't. I just don't know what you do. You're kind of in a pickle at this point. But if anybody is willing to take time off, it seems like that's him, um, and he's fine with it. So. I mean, yeah. I mean, he has really no like. If we really had to break it down, he probably doesn't have really all the motivation in the world to fight right now. If he doesn't need to, he's got all the money he needs, but. I think like the I think the next logical fight was Gaethje, but he got moving up to fight Tony. I mean, where do you go from here? Uh, honestly, if you can't get another fight with Nate, then just wait. Yeah, I think. I think if you just wait, I think you'll get the title shot. It's tough too, because even you could. I'm just you know obviously you're uh, trying to come up with fights in the top of your head, and uh, at one it would have been fun to even see him go back down to featherweight um, to fight Max again for a second time but now max lost the title down there so it's like that's off the table too so it's like that sucks dude we're just all i would like to see i i would like to see connor and poirier yeah. again run it back at yeah. i think that'd be the way to go. yeah man that's a that'd be the only way right now that i can conceive like a, like a reasonable matchup happening would be those two and then the winner of that goes on to fight for the title again what if we got something crazy? Like he goes up to welterweight to fight Colby. Imagine that press conference. 
Oh my god, are you <laughs> kidding me? Connor would run circles around him. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. But um and Colby's have brain dead. You're not wrong. Oh, dude, he freaking broke his jaw yeah. against uh Usman. Usman, Usman, fuck him up. Oh, that was such a good round war of them just standing up demolishing each other. Just trading. But listen, we talked uh, we've kind of bounced around a little bit. We did some football, basketball. Uh, we talked real and fake fighting. Uh, now let's kind of transition over to just what we've been binging, the stuff we've been playing, the movies we've been watching. Um, me and D have kind of been watching a lot of movies and playing games together. Um, so I'm going to let you go first, Jared. Just kind of let us know what have you been doing in these times of quarantine. A lot of Call of Duty Warzone. Mm-hmm. I have been absolutely hooked with Warzone. Also, what do you play on? Xbox. Yeah, I know. We've been over this before. (laughs) I started picking up Mortal Kombat again after they released Spawn. So, he's a fun little character to play with. But really just a lot of Call of Duty Warzone. A lot of 2K a lot lately, too. 2K has been kind of like, if it's not Call of Duty, it's been 2K. It's been my go-to. Playing a lot of uh, of the of the rec center, my career stuff. Playing with a bunch of my friends, running fives and everything like that. I haven't been watching too many things, uh, although I have been watching what we do in the shadow. Dude, that show's freaking incredible. Have you seen? <laughs> it's hilarious. Have you seen the movie? No, I just saw like uh, my uh, girlfriend's sister uh, just told us about it. Didn't know it was based off of. Yeah, a movie. well, it's a Taika so, Waititi think- movie. Um, and he's in it. Yeah, so. um, oddly enough, I think I prefer the show. I just like the vampires in the show so much more. Like, Lazlo is my fucking uh, dude. Uh, he kills me. He's, he's kind of your doppelganger. Oh, right? dude, what the heck? Don't throw that around. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm going to have to get a haircut just because I'm getting pretty close to him right now. Um, yeah, really, anything after you said Xbox is really just gone over my head that's really all I've been thinking <laughs> white noise. like I, I heard that people who play a lot of xbox also are most likely to get uh, migraines in game seven of playoff basketball games um so that's interesting but uh okay a lot of war zone we've been flirting with war zone a little bit um but we also have transitioned to uh the real game and that is uh rainbow six siege Game of the century. It's like ten bucks, so we finally said fine. Because really we just play a lot of Apex and talk for forever. Um but my nephew Landon just it's if he's not playing Apex with us, he's playing Siege. So we we -hmm. got this game and it kinda I'm just gonna throw it out there. I'm not that great at Call of Duty. Um but Siege is interesting because it's a lot more slower paced, a lot more strategy. But you got to be very tactical. I like any game where you have to pick characters and they each do their own little thing. So it is important who you play with. That is why I like Apex a lot. It's real fast pace, and you know I'm in and out of games and stuff. Um, but Siege is fun because you know it's that same thing. Not only do you get to pick different characters, but you get to play both sides of the ball. You get to be an attacker, and you also get to defend. Uh, five on five, you know, where there's a mode where you get to either protect or you have to save the 
a hostage, which is kind of neat. Um, I don't know. I'm I'm really digging this game so far. D, what are your thoughts? Um, there, I, it's it's honestly a bit embarrassing to say that some of the highest highs I've had in uh, quarantine came while playing this game. I think it's so claustrophobic, and it feels like it's something where, like, every step you take, you feel like somebody could be peeking around a corner and, like, you could just die. Um, So when you do good in this game, it just – it's so elating, and it feels so good. And I don't know. It's just – it's difficult, and it forces you to pay a lot of attention and to pay attention to the strategy. Uh, And – like two nights ago, we had a really good night. Last night was kind of rough. Like you can, you go through these these ups and downs, and it's just it's a it's a constant challenge, and it really really keeps you on your toes. Where like Apex, I feel like everything you do in Siege is kind of earned. I feel like Apex, you can you can get away with with like kind of having an off game. Like your teammates can carry you. You know, usually it's like the three v three. This is this is. It's honestly, it's, it's, it's much just more. in the sense that everything is like one tap. So it doesn't take a lot to mm. kill you, and that's maybe the worst part. Um, but, yeah, we've been playing a lot of a lot of Siege, a lot of Apex, and I'm just going to say it, uh, we've been watching the shit out of stuff. We'll do watch, Netflix does a new watch party thing. Have you fucked around with that at all, Jared? No, I didn't yeah, know So that. it's an extension of Google Chrome, but you download Netflix party, Let's say me and you both have our own Netflix accounts. I'll throw up uh, Step Brothers, and I'll I can like in, send you an invite, and we can watch the same movie at the same time. And there's a little panel on the right where we can like write back and forth. Oh, yeah, that's it's cool. really fun! Hey, you it's totally it's a blast. It, uh, whenever you're free, it's a it, it's yeah, a great it's, way to watch. You know, a it's movie. fun. Obviously, it's fun to watch something that some of us have never seen before. Or, hey, sometimes you're fucked up and it's just a night where you got to throw on Step Brothers. Um, but, yeah, we've been doing... That, that, get that creative. was an all-time. Sometimes there's just a movie that we're craving that's not on Netflix, so we got to get creative. So we'll do a PlayStation party and still talk to each other, but we'll play the same movie and get it going at the same time um, so we can still talk while we're watching the movie. Um, I could have swore on Xbox Live on during the like during the 360 days. I think they used to have something. Maybe they did. I could be wrong. But I think they used to have something mm-hmm. like that where you could get to a watch party with your avatars and they would like sit in like a theater. Oh, yeah, that's neat. And like you would watch the movie together, but like your avatars would be right there or something like that. Yeah, and I could be wrong, but I always thought like if they didn't have it, that would have been a cool idea. Um, it's a uh, it's it's fun. It, it obviously everybody like is holed up in their house and maybe only going to work or the grocery store. So it's, it's, it's nice to have shared experiences again. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, that's the biggest part about it is, I mean, it's fine doing the stuff by yourself and watching stuff by yourself, but it's also fun if you can get your friends and kind of do it. Like you were having a movie night with your friends again. Yeah. You end up missing just shared experiences. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's only so fun to a point by yourself that you want to enjoy whatever kind of. It, it's almost cathartic to really mm. enjoy something with mm-hmm. somebody, you know. Absolutely. Just to briefly go through some of the stuff that I've been watching, um, I do another podcast with Nate on Twos, and it's kind of the Pixar season, so we're going in 
order of that they've been released. So I watched Bugs Life, Toy Story 2. Toy Story 2 is a freaking banger. Um, personally, I've been binging Better Call Saul, which is freaking incredible. Uh, I'm a big... People are saying it's better than Breaking Bad. I've heard. I've heard that. I hear season five is it's like one of the pinnacles good. of It's television. just so refreshing. Because, you know, as good as Breaking Bad is, and I, you know, I'm right there on the campus, probably the best show that's ever been made. Um, it, there's no getting around that it's fucking heavy, dude. It's like some heavy shit, and you're not going to be in the best. You don't watch Breaking Bad and leave, have, you know, with a smile on your face. Like, it's heavy. People die. It's fucking rough. Um, and it's a weird show in the sense that even, like, your main character, you also start to hate. So it's like there's a lot of hate to throw around in that show um, because the people that you're first, you know, you love, they always end up doing something to make you not like them. Um, so then it just becomes yeah. a thing where it's like, shit, I don't like anybody. But we've been so far into this journey that we're going to see where this goes. Whereas Better Call Saul is just, you don't even have to really watch Breaking Bad to be able to watch it and like enjoy it. Um, but it just makes it so much better just because obviously there's characters that overlap and seeing them lights up. You're like, Oh my gosh, this is how he, he got there. And just, there's all these, mo- it's so freaking good. It's funny. Uh, it, it takes characters in completely different directions um, than the way that you know them, like from breaking bad and just uh, the, it's the funnest experience I've had of getting to a place that I already like have seen. So like when, in terms of prequels, um, like obviously the Star Wars prequels, not great. Um, except for Revenge of the Sith, that's pretty. That's pretty yeah, fun. Yeah, was um, decent. But and I'm trying to. I can't even think of another show that was a prequel. But just the. It, I'm not gonna say it's. Boy, I don't know. I'm not gonna say it's better yet because I haven't finished it, and I'm not even in season five yet. I just ended the season three, or just finished season three. Um, but it does have a lot going for it because not only is the journey of getting to breaking bad been super exciting, but the story alone holds up to the point where it's like, even if it wasn't connected, I would still love the show regardless. So it's kind of got two things going. It's almost like, you know how I was talking about the Jordan documentary and how it was kind of the structure of it was weird and how sometimes the momentum would kind of mess you up. It's like this journey of getting to the end is fucking incredible. And I, I can't even, I'm, I'm not even going to spoil anything. So I, I could go on and on, but I don't want to spoil anything. But I'm into that show and it's fucking awesome. Yeah. I got to get into it. Um, me and D have been doing, we kind of, uh, we kind of pick one thing and then end up like a, not a category, but like, a, what would you call it? It's almost yeah, like we'll a series, kind of pick one thing and kind of stick with it. So we've we've done Hitchcock movies. So we've watched Vertigo. We've watched Rear Window, uh, Strangers on a Train. Uh, have, we, have we watched anything other than those three? I thought there was. Oh no, there was one from the same era, but it wasn't Hitchcock. We watched the Night, Night of the Hunter. Hunter. Yeah, so we were watching like some real old shit, but at the same time. Uh, we've done some some Polanski stuff that we'd never seen. You're talking Rosemary's Baby, some Chinatown. Um, we uh, Chinatown is whack. 
it's not. It's okay. It's, it's okay. It's fine. It's fine. But like, I, I, I felt like it was pretty built up, and then to watch it, it was kind of like, this is this is it. This is what I. This is what I came for. Is this your king? <laughs> yeah. Is the it, no? Is yeah, the yeah, new yeah, one else? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> on the flip side one that I watched that I didn't think was going to be anything and turned out to be freaking great um, it's no secret that you know I'm in a, a good rom-com here and there I watched Four Weddings and a Funeral for the first time movie's freaking incredible structure of it's awesome super funny the cast is huge and they pull it off which I think is a really hard thing to do when you have a lot of characters um, but the Potentially the best brief cameo I've ever seen in the yes. entire movie. Overall. Mr. Mr. Bean comes in and steals the entire movie for like two minutes. I've watched uh, I've watched The French Connection. I've watched uh, The Fisher King for the first time. Uh, me, I showed D Aliens for the first time. He'd never freaking seen Aliens. So we got to experience that. Social Network. Yeah, Rounders. Uh, we've been watching I'm, everything. I love, I love Social Network. Good, good picture. Yeah, it's a I good mean, picture. what else can you really say? Uh, there's really a lot good. of people who think it's like the best movie of the century. Not going to go that far. I think it's a bit of a stretch, yeah. but um, but yeah, I mean, it's. I heard rumors they might, they might, they might come up with a sequel. That would to be it, crazy. For, for, I think that'd be incredible. For Zuckerberg, like nowadays, especially with all this stuff recently, mm-hmm. that'd be amazing. If if Sorkin writes it, I'm in. Yes. Um, and Fincher, I guess I've kind of been hogging but... the mic in the sense. Uh, D, you you go. Well, we've been watching a lot of the same stuff for sure. Um, I think of I would just talk about some of the stuff that really stuck out to me. I think the Night of the Hunter was one that I would recommend to anybody. Just check it out. It's uh. I don't know if it's a, I don't know if I'd call it a good time, but it's a really good movie. Um, my favorite of the Hitchcock was actually Stranger Strangers on the Train. Train's fucking. That I, might be my favorite one too. I I think that was my. I loved that movie so much. I think the ending. There's some really good shots. Yeah, amazing really good characters. Uh, female side character. Babs, dude. All time shots at one time. Uh, and then I, other than that, you know, I'm doing my usual rewatch. I, I rewatch comedies that it like hit close to home. And right now I'm going back through community and I just love that show more than honestly most, but the new show, the only new show that I've been watching is Curb Your Enthusiasm. And that couldn't be more highly recommended. Like if you, it's in the same, obviously it's Larry David who created Seinfeld mm-hmm. But it's on HBO, so they're swearing aloud. And uh, basically, it's just Larry David as a character getting himself into poor situations with poor judgment. And he's just a he's he's an interesting guy, but he's really he's really funny. He gets himself into the funniest situations. I uh, I love it. I love that show so much. It's 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 genius. I've only seen one episode of that show, and it was hilarious. Is when he was in uh, he was stuck in the LA traffic jam, and he wanted to get into the carpool lane, so he picked up a hooker, 
<laughs> I just watched that episode. It's fantastic. She sticks with them the whole entire way until they just like they go to the yeah. game. He had two tickets to the game, and he took her to the game. <laughs> and so his friend, he 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 went, and then after the game, he took his friend to the airport. And his friend Larry was going in the bathroom. He was wearing the Seinfeld jacket. He didn't want to take it in the bathroom. He gives the jacket to his friend. He comes out. His friend is being dragged away by TSA because Larry, early in the episode, had bought weed for his dad for his glaucoma. The show is so good at like layering, like bringing something in early in an episode and then bringing it back to end the episode. And obviously, the theme song is iconic and they use it so well. Mm -hmm. That show, 10 out of 10. It's so good. It's so good at awkward humor and being. Like just feeling like, oh my god! Like Larry David makes you, makes you cringe, but like in the best way possible. Like you really revel in his misery. Absolutely. Like he's he's a heightened version of Michael Scott for sure. Like he's what Michael Scott wishes he could be. I feel. Like. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's great. I, I gotta watch that. It's so good. Like. I just finished season four and it, season four is all about him being uh, getting a, a, a spot in Mel Brooks's the producers on Broadway. Mm-hmm. And it's wonderful. It's so good. Well, well listen, highly recommend. Uh, we've, we've talked it all, you know, uh, football, basketball, fighting, fake fighting, video games, movies, um, all I can really say is that uh, I want to thank you guys for coming on today and sharing some some time with me in the, in these times of need. It was fun. Oh yeah. Oh, it felt good. As I see you guys again. Yeah. Yeah. It was. It was just good to have sports again. So it was good to have something to talk about. Yes. I, I was I was getting pretty desperate in the sense that I'm like, do I do a podcast talking about D's Madden franchise? Um, but I'll talk I'm happy hours, that man. we had some real sports to talk about. Um, but yeah, no, I want to thank you guys for coming on. And uh, I think this is a good place to end it here. Um, and we'll have to do this again very soon. Bye.